Welcome to RC Plane Lab. I'm Ron. I'm Tom. This is episode 70. In honor of the year I was born. 1870? Ah, that was reach. Anyway, <laughs> so episode 70, we're back. We're we have, back. Uh, we took a little bit of time off. We did. And we didn't do anything. I am well, unfortunately... I, would, I, mean, to I wouldn't say, say we didn't do anything. I mean, I acquired some stuff. I just haven't done anything with it yet. But What'd you get? Well, just, you know... Engines, I don't know, actually. You wouldn't tell me yet. Engines, so you get? some airplanes, balsa. Um, you've acquired some balsa. Haven't got it yet, but... Uh, I'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like we weren't doing anything, uh, but unfortunately, sadly to say, neither one of us has done any flying. No. Uh, in, the, in the time that we set aside to, <laughs> to actually fly. To do flying, uh, or to go flying. But yeah, stuff, we you know, stuff comes up. Um, I had to go away uh, with work, uh, had a trip with work. Uh, and then we took a little bit of a vacation, wife and I did. Uh, so uh, it's good to be back, though. It is. Actually, it feels nice to be does. back recording and doing this. However. Big news. Now, don't make it sound like it's a good thing for that. I mean, that's well, well, kind of bad news. Well, it's, well, it's I guess it depends news. on your perspective. It is. So it's going to make it easier for me. Um, <laughs> so what we have decided, though, we are doing the two-week schedule. This starts that. Yep. I'm not sure when we're going to go back to releasing every week, but we yep. will do that sometime. Yeah, the, still the, the plan is still to do that uh, when the summer flying season, maybe even into the fall, is is uh, winding down. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, when we get into building season, <laughs> we're going to start going week by week. Yeah, yeah but that's okay. we'll have a lot more to to. To talk, talk about, about and yeah. do, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are ceasing uh, the video portion of the podcast. Yep. So it just, I want to spend more time, well, pretty much flying and building and, and doing all that kind of stuff. And editing takes a long time. Doing all this really adds a lot to my workload. Um, yeah, it does. As fun as it's been to do it this way, like, I we just can't continue this on not saying it won't come back sometime but as of now this is going to be the last scheduled release of a video podcast of the video podcast yeah just yeah. it just made sense uh to us anyway uh and some of the feedback even that we've gotten back on the on the listener surveys which by the way uh you guys have uh have really outdone yourselves uh we've gotten a lot of responses great responses a lot of material which we're going to cover um but it just made sense to us Uh, a lot of the feedback was uh, a lot of the folks who uh, listen to the audio only version of the podcast don't watch youtube and vice versa some of the youtube uh, subscribers don't really listen to the podcast so um in an effort to kind of save the amount of work that ron has to do on the editing side of it uh, we're just going to do the audio, go back to doing the, the podcast on an audio uh, basis and then still produce YouTube videos like how-tos and flying videos and us being silly. Yeah. And I really think like, I think that's going to make for a better podcast. I agree. Like this is not the same dynamic that we had before when it was just mm-hmm. sitting on a couch or whatever we were sitting on and, yeah. you know, just talking to each other. Yeah. So we're going to get back to that. Um Hopefully the podcast will get better um, due to the changes we're making. And then, like I said, we'll, or like he said, we're going to be doing how-tos, flying videos, all that kind of stuff on YouTube. That's probably what we should have started from the beginning, honestly, instead of trying to do the whole 
podcast on video or vodcast yeah. or whatever they we want to call them. I mean, this whole thing is is a learning experience. I mean, oh, we, yeah. we're we're totally learning this as we go. <laughs> um, and the fact that we've been doing it for a year and a few months now, um, we've learned a lot. <laughs> so, uh, so if we took I just when you said that, it hit me. So we took a break. Does that mean this is season two? Oh yeah, I guess kind of it would be season two. Yeah. yeah. So well, season two, starting with episode 70. 70 is season two. Cool. So now we have to have 69 episodes per season. That's Oh, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot to ask. <laughs> but anyway, so that's that's where we're, that's what we're going to be doing yep. um, for that. So we also, uh, don't forget we have a listener survey. Yep. I know Tom talked about that just a little yeah. bit beforehand. That's very handy. Very, very, very handy. handy. Very <laughs> Very handy. We uh, we appreciate all the the feedback we've got so far. Yeah, yeah. The um, one that's the one that's out there now is an updated one. Yeah. Uh, so there's a, a couple of different uh, questions uh, for you guys uh, to answer, and we appreciate all the stuff that we've gotten back. In fact, um, the the <laughs> feedback that we get, um, I we take to heart, especially we, if it's cons- if it's constructive and valid, uh, which. By and large, it is. Uh, uh, but one in particular really yeah, kind Tom, of— Yeah, Tom had a fun—not uh, a fun one. Tom had a favorite one that yeah. he wanted to to read. Well, it's because <laughs> it's really good. It um, is. Like, I, I, I cannot disagree with anything yeah. that was said. Uh, so I'll just briefly kind of go over it. Uh, this one was from Ron. Thanks, Ron. Um, not you, but different Ron. Couldn't have said um, it better myself, uh, though. I'll just, I'll just read it here real quick. It says, uh, uh, you guys usually do a great job. Thanks. Usually. Uh, but the but the prop balancing podcast well, had, that set the tone. By the way, usually you guys are fine. Well, what do you always say? We strive for okay. We strive for okay. So yeah. usually, I think kind of goes in that vein. <laughs> we don't want to promise too much. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to under deliver. Yes. So oh, absolutely. Okay is uh, is definitely something we can uh, aspire to achieve. Uh, but anyways, he says uh, you guys usually uh, do a great job, uh, but the prop balancing podcast had me frustrated. Uh, I had to listen to 80% of the show before you finally revealed how you actually balance the props. Uh, spray clear on the backside of the blade. Uh, the we talk, probably should have led with that, by the way. Probably should have. Yeah. Uh, and that's why this is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, the talk to information ratio of that show was too high. Uh, you, your two podcasts on servos, which followed, were right back on target and provided solid info uh, throughout. Uh, he goes on to say that banter is a good thing because the show is two friends talking about their hobby. Uh, I don't think we want a scripted instructional program. However, care needs to be taken so that banter enhances and not detracts from the show. And Ron, if you're, if you're watching or listening, I could not agree with you more. Um, and what I really, really, really appreciated about this was that it was honest. And number two, um, it really kind of brought back to home, like my original, um, vision for the, for the show. I didn't want it to be, um, tease people with a little bit of information and then make them listen or watch to the whole, you know, the whole show to get to the end. Uh, I wanted our show to be, uh, about something useful and get right to it. And, uh, without a lot of fluff. And that was great to great feedback to get. Um, because that's something we're going to concentrate on. You know, the episodes may be a little shorter, but they'll be more right to the point and hopefully information that you guys want. Yeah. So I really liked it. I appreciated that feedback very much. Yeah. And that's important to me too. I've, I've, 
I listen to podcasts and, and you know, quite a bit, watch YouTube videos and stuff, and there's nothing more annoying than when they talk, but they don't say anything. Right. Um, so I know we don't always do a good job of talking with saying everything or yeah. saying something every time, but we're trying to. We're trying to get yeah. better, and we don't want to waste your time. Right. Um, because I don't like to have my time wasted either. Exactly. So. Exactly. Time so. is worth something, and... Don't just listen to us blather about nothing, like right. I'm doing now. So we probably got to move on. <laughs> exactly. Just uh, one more time, I just wanted to thank you, uh, Ron, uh, for that. It was it was very good uh, feedback and definitely something I'm going to take moving forward. Mm-hmm. So, okay, cool. moving on. Yeah. Um, so on our break, it's like you you said that we didn't do anything. Well, that's not true. My hands were tied, a little bit. A little. So bit. I ordered balsa. Like I ordered a for, lot of balsa for this project right here behind me, and if you're listening, this is the trimotor project we're mm-hmm. referring to. So the point was to get some balsa in here and start cutting, start playing around, start just kind of figuring some stuff out. Mm-hmm. I'm very disappointed. Uh, I'm not going to name names because it's not necessarily fair to do that. But I placed a balsa order with a company. Um, and I like a good sized balsa order. I spent nine hundred and ninety nine dollars <laughs> and ninety six cents on an order of balsa. Now, I guess my problem is like I don't care how long it's going to take to get it to me, but tell me how long it's going to take to get it to me. Ordered on the twenty first. Messaged them a few times a couple weeks later to figure out you know what was going on with it. Um, was just told that they were shipping as many orders as they could and they would get to mine soon and let me know by the end of the week when mine would ship. Fair enough. Fair enough. Cool. So I let it be. Never heard anything back from them by the Mm. end of the week. So I waited another week and a half, uh, emailed again, or not emailed, but messaged again, and was pretty much told that, well, he took some time off. He's going to be cutting some more stuff soon. He'll let me know once again by that Sunday when... Mine will ship. Mm. Another week passes. Mm. Never heard anything from him. Emailed him again or texted him again and stuff. And finally, three days later, got a text back that said, it'll ship by the end of the week. Well, I still haven't gotten any shipping information or anything like that. So I guess I'm frustrated. Yeah. And so... So I also am, am planning to order balsa from the same company. And, uh... That's, that's a foul. Um, making somebody wait, especially after they've already taken your money, mm-hmm. right? So they, they've already been paid, uh, for the, for the shipment. Um, it's, it's really not that hard to send somebody an email or, or even to send somebody a message on Facebook or, or however your preferred means of communication is. It's not that hard to send a little update saying, Hey, I know I've, uh, you know, been putting you off or whatever, but the plan is this. And if the plan changes, that's fine. Communicate. I'm okay with that. Just yeah. communicate. That's all, that's all we ask. And I think, I don't think that's unreasonable to ask, uh, or to expect even, um, a communication. And like, like you said, if it takes four months to fill the order, hey, it takes four months to fill the order. You know, balsa is in demand right now. Uh, it's hard to get balsa from suppliers in Ecuador or whatever. Yeah. Fine. Just let me know. Just, I understand there's shortages everywhere. Like in exactly. the industry I work in, we're dealing with it too. Yeah. That's cool. But we communicate right. and let people know what's going on. And I, I feel ghosted. 
Yeah. Like I really and, feel. And that's, and I tell you, that, that's a, that's an unsettling feeling for someone like me uh, who's getting ready to, to <laughs> like, I've already actually spent the money. Like the, the company already technically has my, my payment for an order I haven't placed yet. Yeah. You have store credit now. Um, right. Uh, so that's a little unsettling, you know, seeing, seeing your experience, uh, ho- hopefully I'm, I'm hopeful that it, that it all works out and it's just a, you know, it's just one of those one-time kind of a deals, but, uh, um, cause in, in this particular, uh, company's defense, I haven't seen any negative stuff from anyone else. So I'm hoping that it's sort of just a one kind of a, maybe it's because of the size of the order. Cause it is a large order. It's a big order. Um, I admit it. A lot of, a lot of balsa, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's not hard to, to communicate these days. I mean, it's really easy to communicate these days. And yeah. if you know it's going to be a couple of weeks, just tell us right up front, you know. Uh, and this goes to, to any company that uh, that is dealing online or, or whatever. Um, if you're not going to be able to fill an order for a while, hey, you know, most of us are okay with you telling us, hey, it's going to be a couple of weeks. Okay, yeah. cool. So we'll know when to expect it. When I, when I paid for the store credit and stuff, you know, because that's how I bought it too, a store credit. I ended up paying them first before I actually placed an order. Right. And I mean... Very responsive then. I mean, <laughs> there were messages going back and forth between us very quickly, um, which is great. That's how it should be. But then when it came time to actually fill the order after I placed it and let me know yeah. what's going on. Communication was a little bit different. Yeah. <clears throat> and like I said, I'm I'm not like I'll give you a pass on stuff if you just tell me what's going on. Yeah. I don't yeah. think I'm asking too much to know. Like I said, when I ordered April 21st, I got an email saying, hey, thanks for the order. It's going to ship to you by July 15th. Cool. Okay, great. Good deal. I appreciate it. I'm not going to bug you until July 15th exactly. if I don't have it. And that's another thing. Like the more you communicate, probably the less your customer is going to bug you about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. so, I mean, I don't want to dwell. Like yeah. I said, I was just very upset <laughs> by yeah. that. Yeah, and a little I, disappointed. I, so. I don't like to be negative on things, but this one's really rubbing yeah. me the wrong way. Yeah. Uh, however, like on the flip side of that, totally understand the the market, the balsa market right now yeah. is, is a, a, you know, for lack of a better word, kind of a kind of a basket case. I mean, kind some, of crap show. sometimes we can get balsa, sometimes we can't. You know, the people are blaming it on all these other different types of things. But um, just communicate with us. Just let us know. That's that's really all we ask. Um, yeah. So, all right. Let's, let's move on to something happier. Something happy. I don't, like, I don't like sad things. You know what makes me happy? What makes you happy? Model engines. <laughs> How many do you have now? <laughs> Total? Oh, yeah. I, I've lost count. You've bought so many in the last like two yeah. months. So in our little break, mm-hmm. uh, I did acquire a third uh, YS120. So we now have four YS120s. And yeah, and if you're keeping track, yeah, Hold that's on. that's one, two more than the last time we right. had an update. I'm getting to that in a second. Okay. So we have four, but I did acquire uh, number three. Um, at the beginning of our little break. Uh, so you can expect a video of us trying to run all three of them together, mm-hmm. hopefully very soon. <laughs> I cannot wait. Like, yeah, seriously. It's going to be so awesome. It's going to be fun. So if you've watched our uh, our video or Ron put the video out there of us running the two, uh, pretty soon hopefully we'll have a, another video out there with three of them running together. That's all on you. Um, but I'm then, yeah, I've acquired some other engines too, some, some unique engines that I've wanted uh, for a while that I've never owned. Um, I'm getting actually quite a collection of four strokes, which is awesome. <laughs> I love four strokes. Um, but I did acquire a, uh, an HP, an old, well, it's an, it's a same manufacturer that made the, um, the HP 61 that we put in our YouTube video on how to tune. 
um, same company, but this is a four stroke and it's a, um, a rotary kind of a valve. So it's still a regular piston going up and down, but it has a, a valve inside that rotates instead of two valves that go up and down. It's pretty slick. Um, if you want to do a, a quick little YouTube search, I think there's a couple of videos out there of somebody broke one down and shows you how they work. Uh, so I'm going to do a run video of that here sometime in the near future too. Really excited. Um, hmm. I've never then, heard of one like that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a uh, RCV uh, is a company that makes kind of the same sort of a thing, a rotary valve thing with the piston that goes up and down and a rotating sleeve. It's actually really kind of a neat idea. Um, Sounds complicated. It's actually very, very simple. I'll have to see it. Yeah. Cause I'm not, I don't think I'm placing exactly what you're talking about yet. Yeah. It's easier to see it in action than for me to try to describe how <laughs> they work, but they're pretty neat looking. Um, but yeah, so, so yeah, we have four, YS engines now, and here's how that here's how that happened. Um, so, in one of the other engine purchases, uh, communicating back and forth with the uh, nice gentleman, uh, said, "Yes, I'm getting out of the hobby, and I'm just going to get rid of all this stuff. And I've got this old Carl Goldberg Ultimate biplane that's kind of in pieces. And I'm a huge biplane fan, um, especially balsa ones. Uh, just going to say that." Um, <laughs> what is that? Where did well, that come from? You know, there's a lot of biplanes out there. There's foam biplanes out there that are cool too, but I like the big balsa ones. <laughs> I mean, uh, wait a so anyway, shade at foam without happened, trying to. What happened to be mounted to the nose of this biplane, but a YS120 four stroke. Oh, that is awesome. So yeah, I uh, we we agreed on terms and I made a purchase and um <laughs> he the very, very um generous uh man um gave me all kinds of of uh stuff with the purchase and uh in that pile of stuff was another uh OS 91 four stroke which is another engine that we've put on the on the YouTube channel so now I have four also of those <laughs> <laughs> so so something bigger for our so next someday build maybe like a B17 or a B24 build around four OS 91s and that'd be pretty sweet but uh but yeah so we've been or I've been okay. acquiring stuff um so that hopefully we'll have some uh, some cool uh tri-motor at least engine running videos or video for you coming soon hopefully yeah not doing anything else on it yet but maybe you can see the motors turning yeah uh and listening to them yeah that's the best part what else did you get from the guy uh so uh a plastic tub full of propellers which is always uh, a good thing to have extra props. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of electric props and stuff like that, which I'll probably end up giving to you or, sure. or whoever. Um, me. But, uh, <laughs> Not or, whoever, or, me. <laughs> yeah, or you. Um, or maybe we'll hang on to them, you know, maybe to, because there's a lot of new in the package stuff that might be convenient for packaging with an airplane or something. You know, if you don't follow what I'm, what I'm saying. Maybe. Yeah. So Let's um, not give away our hints yet. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, there's a, I got a, oh, a very large selection of balsa blocks, like big, like two inch by two inch by 12 inch blocks, pretty mm. good selection of different sizes in that kind of a range, which would be great, uh, for the tri-motor build here when we have to shape, you know, wing roots or, you know, the nose or whatever, mm -hmm. uh, it'd be perfect for that. So I got a lot of that. Uh, I've got some carbon fiber rods, uh, push mm. rods and things like that, uh, square tubing. Uh, which might be handy for spars and things like that to try to keep things light. Yeah. Um, so I got that. I uh, got a, another stick airplane. So there's <laughs> that. That's what the OS-91 is uh, uh, bolted to. So actually that airplane is actually in really good shape. Really? Uh, so that one, you know, might be able to make that one flyable for this uh, season. So then I'll have two 
sticks. One with a two-stroke and one with a four-stroke. Uh, let's see. what. Else. Oh, so the YS-120 was on the front of this Goldberg biplane. Um, apparently, over the years, uh, the gentleman had moved a few times. Uh, so the airplane, the fuselage anyway, is in pretty rough shape. The tail feathers are broken and... Uh, uh, the one of the wing struts is uh, kind of snapped in half, so it'll actually be a pretty good uh, restoration type project. Oh, which might be something if you guys are interested in watching how you know how maybe we to repair an airplane or to restore an old airplane, recovering and that sort of thing. Um, that might be something we we uh, actually try to record while I'm doing it. So, uh, so that's podcast material is never a bad thing. It's a good idea. Yeah, let's actually do it. Done. <laughs> Um, let's see what else, uh, to, to try to, oh, so, <laughs> uh, Goldberg, uh, also made back at about the same time they made the ultimate kit. Uh, they made a Sukhoi SU-26 MX, which looks a lot like our Yaks. Mm-hmm. Um, huge fan of that airplane and that kit. Uh, so I got two of them, uh, in various states of assembly. So there's two kit boxes and there's probably enough stuff in those two boxes to complete a uh, SU-26 that has to be built of course but uh, you know be a fun project for for down the road to complete a single one or two of them a single one oh yeah okay. looks like there was some pieces missing out of one of them the wing is already uh, built but damage will require some repair stuff like that but uh, yeah between the the two kit boxes I'm fairly certain there was enough stuff in there uh, to complete one one airframe oh and in addition to that, and there's more. Yeah, and uh, a new in the box uh, fiberglass specialties. That's the name of a company that does fiberglass parts for our airplanes. Um, a cowl for that kit. So nice fiberglass cowl to go with that kit. So that'll be a nice project for someday. And that's pretty much it. It's gonna be a busy winter. <laughs> yeah. Four or five. Yeah, and it all started with it was the funniest thing. It all started with the purchase of uh, of a Sato fifty six uh, four stroke. I, so I bought yeah, the I bought you, the Sato fifty six from him, and then you know we started talking back and forth, and uh, next thing you know, I've got all this stuff in the back of the car. I mean, what? it didn't happen at his house; like there was a lot of conversation before I went down there to pick everything up. But yeah, so why uh, were you buying a Sato fifty six? Oh, because I didn't have one. Seriously? Yeah. So I've decided. <laughs> what do I have on the? What Sato do I have on that uh, sixty five? Okay. It's a Sato 65, which I don't own one of those anymore either, but well, eventually. Maybe you uh, can get that one back. Well, the what I, and, and call me crazy. Crazy. Uh, but I, I like model engines. Uh, so my goal is to like maybe have a long-term goal, have one of every engine that Sato has made. Wow. Well, minus minus the big radials and stuff like that, because I can't afford those. But, you know, start, I've got a Sato 50 already. I've got a Sato 40. I have a Sato 30. So if I can, you know, build up, I think it'd be a cool display, you know, in my like cabinet. And then when I, you know, want to run them, I can pull them off, put them on the stand or put them on a, on a stick or whatever and fly them and enjoy or them. Or actually mount them on a stand to where you can just run them on the stand. Well, that's what I meant. Yeah. Pull no, them. I mean like mount them. Like display them on a stand where there's eight engines oh, or whatever. I see what you're saying. And then you can just leave oh. it on that to run it. Oh, that would be kind of a neat. That wouldn't be hard to do. No, not really. Huh. But I'd want to make it look nice. You know, I want it to be varnished and display worthy. Well, you'd have to do that anyway if you're putting. But I like fuel tinkering. You know, I like to tinker, and uh, so you know, these engines that I have are all in various states of you know condition. So you know, taking one apart and cleaning it up, and uh, a majority of them that I have now are golden knights, which 
if you know what Sato engines are, they produced a lot of their engines in two different versions, the silver version and then the Golden Knight, which is a, uh, it's black painted with gold valve covers. Very sharp looking engines. I like them. I do too. And they usually sold for a little bit, you know, a little bit more than their, their silver, you know, counterparts, but. Because uh, they were colored. Because they, yeah, they look cool. They had different colors on them. Yeah. So, so cool. that's what I've been up to <laughs> you, on our break. You got me beat. Um, <laughs> I was very boring. And well, Crystal's in school, so I know. you were taking care of the, the family and stuff. Totally get it. But yeah, so no, not not a lot of exciting things on my, my end, other than ordering balsa and not getting it. <laughs> so let's move right. on. We have a couple things to, to talk about. We got um, some people reached out. In emails and also in uh, in the the uh, uh, my mind went blank. What's it called? The survey. The survey. The don't forget the survey. Don't forget the survey. <laughs> but anyway, some people reached out on the survey, and yep. we wanted to go over uh, just a couple questions that were asked. Sure. Um, once again, take the survey. We yeah we, we yeah. appreciate like, that. I mean, if it's if it's not clear by now that we use a lot of the material we get on the surveys, um, <laughs> we use a lot of material that comes right off the surveys that you guys uh, submit. So. so much easier on us. We appreciate it. But <laughs> anyway, so a couple of things to get to. We're not going to go over it too much yeah. um, because we're getting long on time already, it seems. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and have we said anything? I mean, that's well, the question. I that, mean, we, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so we had somebody ask, where do diesel engines fall into the pantheon of model power? It's a great, great question. That's a really good um, question. And then when does using glow, gas, diesel, and electric power make sense? Yeah. That's a loaded question. Yeah. yeah. Ask five different people, you'll get five different answers. Absolutely true. But R2, actually, I don't know anything about diesel. So yeah. you're the engine guy. So yeah, I believe it or not, I don't own a diesel. Um I don't have a good reason. Um, I probably has something to do with the fuel involved. That you know, I've, I I keep model engine fuel and gasoline for the engines that I run. Uh, diesel fuel would be another fuel that I would have to keep and worry about storing. And um, you okay, know, that just sounds like an excuse. I mean, does it, it is. Do it they can, run really just on regular diesel no, fuel? No, they don't. Oh, okay. Uh, so. I will caveat, I don't own one, okay? Yeah. Uh, and I've, <laughs> I'm looking, because um, I would actually like to add that to my repertoire of uh, of engines and gain some experience that I could maybe pass on. Uh, but from what I've read and what I've uh, seen on YouTube, and I talked to a couple people on the on the RC groups that, I, that I'm a member of, um, and if you guys, if I'm wrong with any of this, feel free, because uh, I am no expert on diesels. Uh, but what I do know is that uh, they use a variable compression, uh, so um, they don't use a glow plug. So on a diesel engine, uh, let's say in your Ford pickup truck, it uses a glow plug to sort of get the whole process started. Uh, model diesels don't have that device. And then also, uh, again, using your Ford pickup with a diesel in it as an example, uh, it uses an injection pump to actually inject the fuel right into the combustion chamber. Uh, model engine diesels also don't do that. They atomize the fuel in the carburetor just like just like our two-stroke uh, glow fuel engines do. Um, so to get the process started, um, it's actually a, quite an involved process. Um, <clears throat> you, uh, you lower the compression... Um, and you, you pretty much, from what I gather, you pretty much have to use an electric starter. Uh, you get the thing 
you know, you, you get the thing turning and then you slowly increase the compression until it reaches a point at which the compression is sufficient to heat the air and fuel charge to the point of combustion. Um, that is aided by the fuel or an, specifically an additive that's in the fuel. And I can't remember the name of it. Um, it's a, um, oh gosh, it's an ethanol based something uh, that they put into the fuel to, to make it more volatile. Uh, so the fuel has actually got ether, I think, in it. Uh, and it's basically a blend of kerosene, uh, a little bit of methanol. Um, and I think this, this additive that they use for, uh, ignition assistance. Uh, but anyway, as the thing is turning, you increase the compression until it starts. And then you further increase the compression until it is running good, right? And then you further tune it by throttling it with a throttle. And that's something else these diesel engines, from what I gather, uh, are somewhat difficult to throttle because um, I'll try to make this really, really short and simple. As you increase the RPM, you are also increasing uh, the compression ratio because uh, you're increasing the temperature of the fuel that's coming in and all this because of all the extra heat, which also changes the ignition timing. So then you have to back off the compression to compensate. So they, they, they run in a very narrow range uh, without having to readjust the compression ratio, which is that T-bar that's on the top of the head. I should have mentioned that. There's a T-bar <laughs> where the glow plug goes, and on the other end of that T-bar inside the compression uh, chamber is essentially another piston that as you screw it in, it increases the compression ratio by lowering the available volume, and then vice versa when you thread it out, it lowers the compression ratio. Um, so model diesel engines are, they they do... They do their best work on a, for instance, like a control line or maybe a free flight type airplane where they, where they're just designed to run at sort of one RPM range because that's where you tune them. Um, and that's pretty much all I know about diesels. Uh, I'm going to try to maybe find one, um, that I can afford and, uh, and add it to the collection, um, and tinker with them, uh, because they sound kind of interesting to me. Uh, but I think... Uh, their use is probably best suited to something that's going to run wide open or whatever you tune it to run at and not be throttled, if that makes sense. Yeah, so you don't have a big RPM range that you do with any other motor. Right. Uh, the advantage to diesels is just like in the in your in your full size Ford pickup, uh, they produce a lot of torque. So once you get them tuned at that RPM range, they can theoretically turn a bigger, heavier pitched prop than uh, a similarly sized uh, glow engine uh, because of the amount of torque they produce. And that is real. That's a real thing. Like, I don't know what the percentage <laughs> is, but uh, like a, you know, a 25, a 0.25 size diesel, let's say, uh, or a 0.25 size model glow fuel engine turns a 9.6 prop at say 10,000 RPM. You know, a same size diesel might turn an 11, 8, maybe even a 12, 6 at that same RPM. So it's quite a, it can produce quite a bit more power. Hmm. The downside is they are difficult to, to throttle. They're finicky. Yeah. Which is right up my alley because I like to tinker. <laughs> I don't. Um, I want it to work when I want it to work. Yeah. You like on off switches. Um, getting to the other part of his question, uh, when does using glow gas, diesel, and electric power make sense? 
Uh, so diesel, oh, we kind of just went over that. It seems like it makes the most sense and something that's only going to operate in a particular, particularly narrow RPM range. Which uh, honestly for us would probably be never. Right, exactly. I mean, like it wouldn't be a good do, thing for any airplane yeah, that we do would ever fly. we control line or free flight or, yeah. or anything like that or racing or, or, or anything like that. So for us, the two of us, probably never going to be uh, um, particularly useful to us. The others, uh, completely personal preference. I mean, really. Um, if you well, don't, if you don't sort like, of. right, right. There's there are caveats. Um, Size. Yeah, size being, and being one of them. Size of the airplane. The I mean. the ability to, um, well, like obviously for big big like hundred and cc or hundred and seventy cc airplanes, you can get electric motors for it. I wouldn't want to. Holy like smokes, I'm an electric the batteries guy. Batteries you would need for that just scare me to death. Well, they don't scare me as much as the price scares me. Oh, well, they are pricey. I mean... They're coming down, though. I mean, yeah, electric not, prices gradually... I mean... Gas is so much more... Uh, economical? Very... <laughs> it, it's fitting for that kind of airplane. Yeah. Yeah. Like, really, the bigger you go, the better I think it is for gas. Like, if you have a big airplane, gas just makes sense. Yeah, generally generally speaking, I, I would agree with that. Small to medium, I would be fine with electric. Like I am, I am obviously okay not having any glow engines. They just, they're dirty. They're, <laughs> but they sound good. I will give you that. The four strokes, especially. Yeah. Um, but I'm just, I'm okay not having any because that's 30 bucks a gallon for fuel. And that goes through very quick. You it know? does, especially the bigger ones. Yep. Um, so my personal preference, big airplanes, gas, small to medium, obviously electric. Yeah. And on the other side of the the coin, uh, you have somebody like me who likes to tinker and likes the sound, likes the smell, um, small to medium airplanes. I'm going to choose nitro uh, over electric for sure. And the big airplanes, just like you said, it, it's going to be gas just because um, the expense uh, mm -hmm. is certainly uh, part of the factor. But um, gasoline is fairly inexpensive compared to nitro fuel. Um, so a nitro engine in that size range doesn't make sense to me because they're, so they get really thirsty and yeah, you can go through a gallon of gas, you know, in an afternoon with those big, big, big nitro engines and they're out there. You can, I think the biggest nitro fuel, you mean? Yeah. But the big nitro engines are out there too. I mean, uh, Moki makes a 210 or used to make a 210, uh, which is a pretty good size, uh, two stroke, uh, 2.1 cubic inch, uh, two-stroke model engine. Yeah. I guess I didn't realize that that was... That, really? That's... Yeah. Oh, my. I didn't know that was nitro. Yeah. But very, very thirsty. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine that. Well, Super Tiger. Uh, Super Tiger made uh, the G4500, which is a 45cc uh, glow engine. Yeah. <laughs> Goes through about 12 ounces of fuel in about five minutes or less, depending on how you fly. Wow. Yeah. We'll be able to go through more than that on the, on the, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on the tri motor. Yeah. But, and so that's the other thing too, you know, in general, especially if you're going for the same size, it's very expensive to run a nitro as opposed to a gas engine. Yeah. They just, they drink the fuel very quickly yep. as opposed to the gasoline engines just nicely, just sip it and, you know, like a fine wine, they don't want to drink too much. Economies of scale though, right? True. Um, a big, big electric, you know, you're even, even gasoline, let's say you burn 10 gallons of gasoline in the course of a flying season, you know, that's 30 bucks or so, you know, depending on where you buy your gas. 
uh, and the additives you put in it. So let's say 35 bucks. Um, you do that over the course of, you know, five or six years, you probably, you've probably got enough to, to pay for your electric and the convenience of the electric might yeah. outweigh that. So you know, there's that to consider too. It is, but the nice, and it's funny because we kind of go back and forth. Like what I, <laughs> the one thing I don't like about electric is waiting for them to charge. Yeah. I mean, it's nice to be able to land and then filled up with some gasoline again and, and going out and, yeah. and being ready to take right off. Yeah. Um, but I, I still will, I'm okay not flying as much and not having nitro for sure. Right. Yeah. So uh, the question, when does using uh, glow, gas, diesel, or electric make sense? It's totally, it, it's, it's up to you. Yeah, um, you can pretty much get anything in any size. Yeah. If if you're about economy and, and cost and things like that, uh, that's going to factor your, um, you know, your decision. If you're into nostalgia or or sound or, or smell, you know, that's going to play into your decision. So it's really, um, it's really what's, what matters to you. And who am I to judge you in this case, uh, for using electric? I mean, it's still a model airplane and it's still cool. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you can say that again. It's still a model airplane and it's still cool. <laughs> that was rhetorical. Oh, uh, <laughs> I went ahead and said it again for, for effect. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's totally, totally user, user dependent, and it's going to be uh, what makes the most sense to you. Um, but diesels, I can tell you, they're from what I've read and what I've seen and, and talked to a couple of folks, they're hard to throttle. So they may not make sense for a radio controlled airplane uh, that's going to be you know, required to idle and then also produce max power and without retuning and all that kind of stuff. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, a couple more. Okay. Uh, we, yep, we got time see. for a little bit more. Yeah, not too much. <laughs> um, okay. I think I've read that although metal gears on servos are stronger, they wear quicker than plastic. Is that true? Hmm. So that's not been my experience. Uh, now, granted, I'm not a uh, I'm not a three time a week flyer, uh, so I I probably don't. Uh, put my servos through, you know, a lot of, uh, abuse. Um, I've heard that argument before, um, but that's not been my experience. Um, servos today, even, even the, the ones that we talk about in the servo episode, the ones you get from Amazon, um, I've had the metal gear servos now specifically, I've had really, really good luck and they're not noisy. Uh, yeah. It used to be when Metal Gear servos kind of first came on the market, they were noisy. Uh, they create created RF interference, which back then when we – this is before Spectrum and the spread spectrum and all that stuff, DSM, whatever it is. Um, they created RF interference that could, you know, take a plane down. Um, but those issues have uh, have all but gone away with uh, with the new digital spread spectrum. There we go, got it. Uh, <laughs> radios and uh, and the and the machining tolerances, uh, you know, coming out of these factories. Um, do they wear faster? I mean, plastic gears as opposed to metal gears. I, I think they have. Uh, different wear characteristics, but longevity, I, I would argue that they're probably about the same, yeah. honestly. I would, um, I would agree with what you said. Yeah. So, I mean, um, if there's truth to that, I haven't seen it. I'll just, I'll just say, say it that way. Okay. I'm not next. an engineer though. No, you are not. Um, next he said, I've heard advice to go for torque in a servo, not the speed. <laughs> uh, unless you're flying helicopters or 3D, the speed of a high torque version uh, of a given servo will be fast enough. 
I completely agree. I do too. Yeah. We yeah, don't I, need to move our control surfaces that quick. Nope. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I completely agree. I, I, there's really not much more I can say other than, um, yeah, if you're flying a, a helicopter, yeah, sure. Makes sense. Because especially on the tail rotor, you want that servo to be very, very quick. Um, if you're flying 3D, especially some of the 3D foamies, yeah, you probably want those servos to be to be pretty fast. But for the stuff that Ron and I talk about flying, no, high, I'll choose a high torque servo over over a high speed one. Yeah, I'd rather have more power. Yep. obviously than getting there quickly. And for me, um, I'll kind of I'll kind of add to the conversation. Um, I want a servo that centers perfectly every time, and sometimes a high torque servo or a high-speed servo might sacrifice maybe some of that centering. Some of that resolution. Yeah, some of that resolution uh, for, you know, to gain speed or torque or what have you. So uh, sometimes, to well, most of the time to me, what's more important than torque or speed is is the ability for that uh, servo to hold center and to return to that exact same spot. Yeah, I've time. heard of that more with the high-speed servos as opposed to the high-torque ones. Yeah, Like well, the high-speed, like, they're trying to get there so fast that... It's hard to do yeah. at some of those speeds. I'm actually having an issue right now um, with my uh, that Seagull Yak, the yellow and black one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the servos on that uh, wander, and it's maddening because it feels like a tail-heavy airplane. You know, you pull back on the elevator, the airplane climbs, you return the stick to neutral, airplane still keeps climbing a little bit, so then you push down on it a little bit, and then the airplane dives. It's it's almost it feels like a tail heavy airplane, but it's not. It's the servo it's and just something is case. loose. Yeah, like the servo is not able to. Yeah, yeah, that's too bad. So centering is uh, is equally I think as important as torque in this case. Moving on, the next so, one. I've read that digital servos have a higher power drain than analog. When sharing power from the same flight battery on an electric plane, will that or will the will using digital Will using digital servos reduce? <laughs> will using digital servos reduce flight times? Well, yeah. I mean, it it stands to reason. Well, first, yes, digital servos drain more than analog. However, let's let's say it's not noticeable. No, not not really. I mean, Unless, it's, it's not going to take you from a ten minute flight to a, a seven minute flight. Right. So, okay. If you're building <laughs> if you're building a big airplane with lots of servos, chances are um, that is an expensive airplane and you're probably not going to put analog servos in it. So you won't ever notice a difference because you're going to probably start with digital servos to begin with. If you've got analog servos in a 40 size uh, sport balsa plane like a stick or, or whatever, um, and you start with analog and you switch to digital... Yes, the digitals are going to draw more power, um, but not significantly so that you're going to notice any difference in flight times. And that right. goes for electrics also. Uh, it's yes, they they consume more power, but it at you know on a on a six servo setup, it, you're probably not going to notice a difference. It might be the difference between a five minute flight time and a four minute forty eight second flight time. You know what I mean? It's it's going to be minimal. Yeah, not so, enough to worry about. Yep, I don't think so. Okay, next. Okay. This is a funny one. Okay. Um, if a single-blade propeller will work, why wouldn't a two-bladed propeller work if one blade was slightly shorter than the other, huh. as long as it's balanced? Yeah. And he says, I still like to trim one blade to balance. Ooh, that makes me cringe, but honestly, um, absolutely, absolutely true. 
uh, you know, speed, like I think they were called pylon speed, mm. which was a control line thing. Um, they used one blade propellers uh, for efficiency because then, you know, you didn't have another blade coming into the wash of the blade. Coming into the dirty air. Right, yeah. exactly. Uh-huh. Um, and they performed for the task, they performed excellent. So there's no reason that a properly balanced or a well-balanced propeller um, shouldn't be useful, even if one blade is a little bit longer than the other. And I will say, even though it makes me cringe, um, <laughs> I used to balance my props that way. Yeah. I really did. I used to sand off the one one tip uh, until it was in balance, and I never suffered any adverse effects from that. So... Um, yeah, there's really no reason why that won't work. Um, me personally, I like the blades to be even just, it's just a symmetry thing with me. Um, I don't like asymmetry. So yeah, I understand. Um, that's but... why the Blom and Vaz airplanes aren't my thing, but, <laughs> uh, cause the weird cockpit on one side and engine on the other anyway. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's no reason that shouldn't work. And if, uh, and if, uh, if the propeller is balanced, I say more power to you. There you go. Yeah. All right. Last thing before we get out there, okay. we have a tip from somebody that sent oh, yeah. in. And we liked it so much, we thought, hey. Yeah, it's a great tip. Let's share it. Yeah. You want to take it? Um, sure. Uh, or I so, can if you don't know where it is. Well, it's it's right <laughs> here. Try to do here, this. use that one. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, and I don't have my cheaters. Okay, so. give it back. Wait. I'll read then. <laughs> ah, okay. So he said... <laughs> Wow, can't read. He said, switch to scalpel blades when using a honing. Oh, hold on. He says, switch to scalpel blades and use a honing slash extra fine sharpening stone to touch up the edge between each cut when covering. We'll save much headache and only use a single blade for a whole covering job with no tears. Yeah, uh, great. That's a great tip. Um, I have tried sharpening number 11 blades before, Mm -hmm. and I've... I'll be honest, there's a technique there to sharpening those things that I am obviously, uh, because I go through so many of them, um, I'm not good at. But uh, yeah, there must be something about the steel they use with these uh, scalpel blades that uh, allows them to be sharpened. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna try that, actually. I'm going to get on uh, probably Amazon, try, you <laughs> know, you try to find some scalpel blades, because I happen to have a honing stone at home, because I have knives and stuff that I need sharp. But, uh, yeah, me too. Uh, I'm going to try that. And if yeah, it's it, a good one. Yeah, and if it works, I will uh, I will let you guys know, but I see no reason why it wouldn't work. Yeah, and I go through a lot of blades when I cover. I do too. And I have a whole, like, two-liter bottle full of blades <laughs> because I don't like to just throw them away because yeah, they're dangerous. I don't, yeah, I don't throw it's, them in the trash either. They're too, or they're not sharp enough to cut what we wanted to cut, but Certainly they're still sharp, sharp enough, enough to, to cut you. Yeah, for sure. So, so you got to be careful with them. Yep. But yeah, good tip. Yeah, that's a great tip. I appreciate, appreciate it. And uh, I think we're done for today. I think so. So next episode will be audio. Audio only. only. So um, if you are watching the YouTube channel, uh, we're going to have some stuff hopefully here in the next few weeks. Uh, hopefully a tri-engine run video, which I'm super excited about. I know he is, even mm-hmm. though he's not a nitro guy. Um, <laughs> but, okay, uh, so hold on. <laughs> I'm not a owning any, or I'm, hold on, how do I want to put that? I'm not an owning a nitro guy. Like, I'm cool with nitro. That's fine. I don't want to deal with a mess when I'm done. Okay, I don't want to buy the fuel. You know, I don't want to clean it up. I don't yeah. want to come downstairs and, and you know, leave a line of fuel on my carpet. I don't do that. He's done that to me before. I did? You don't remember that? 
It's been several years ago. You brought an airplane down, and there was just a line. I am so sorry. From, I did that. I do right. remember that now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm so sorry. that's why I don't care too much for, for night. I get it. I get it. But I, it I'm cool. I like other people running them and owning them. <laughs> and having that mess in their house, not and yours. If, if you're going to do the tri-motor build with me and you're going to take all the hard stuff on, it's your plane and it's your engines. Well, hopefully there will be a YouTube video soon of all three of them running together. So yes. If you like the two-engine run video... Uh, Watch out! There's going to be a three-engine video. So, um, anyway, if All you're right. if you're watching the YouTube video, there'll be some stuff coming out soon. And uh, like I said, uh, the next episode will be two weeks. Yeah, two weeks um, from now, and it'll be audio only. So, um, hopefully, we'll get back to the smoothness uh, that that audio only kind of version allowed. You know, we talked about it a little bit. Sorry <laughs> to take up so much time, but uh, yeah, it's just smoother when we're, when we're not like trying to watch a camera and it's kind of weird to look over and talk to yeah. you. And then anyway, uh, so you can look forward to that in the future and also listener surveys. Don't forget. Yeah. Uh, extremely helpful. Uh, nothing, nothing, uh, will get you what you want to hear more than telling us what you want to hear. All right. Are we done? Uh, I'm sorry. I'm done talking now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Until next time. I'm Ron. I'm Tom. Good night. Good night. <laughs>